The 80s and 90s in the U.S. brought unprecedented days of material prosperity. The new technologies brought boasts that traditional economics, with its ups and downs and need for cautious planning, were long gone. The Internet age had changed the paradigm. It wasn't even necessary for a dot-com company to actually make a profit. And then the bust. How should we react when the economy collapses? How can it expose a subtle form of idolatry that could destroy us? We are in the midst of a powerful study about materialism from Revelation chapter 18. Our study leader, Dave Wurzen, picks up our discussion today, giving us a glimpse of a young businessman caught in the roller coaster ride of the stock market. Let's join Dave and see how he relates this contemporary uncertainty back to the Apostle John's message about the worst economic collapse of all time. Dave? CNN was on the air, and, and as CNN was blasting away, and you know, given the report that all of you are familiar with, uh, there was a young man that was watching CNN with me. And as he was watching, suddenly just riveted on the TV set, because you might remember to some of you with the real big bucks in the stock market, you'll remember when the stock market dipped a little bit. And uh, there's only one or two of you, I guess, that responded to that. But CNN was talking about this, one of the biggest drops. And this young executive ripped out his cell phone and he, he started calling just feverishly, calling one person after another. And he got a hold of this broker in New York and then maybe another broker in Chicago. And, man, I just watched. I couldn't help but think, you know, this is what, you know, what he was living for. You know, this was his job. This was his life. Well, Revelation chapter 18 talks about the worst economic collapse that's ever going to take place on planet Earth. And we want to talk about the fact that Revelation 18, if you'll turn there, talks about the fact that in the future, there's going to come a much worse economic collapse than the economic collapse of, of 1929 here in the United States. At the end of time during the tribulation period that we're really focusing on as we study the central part of the book of Revelation, we are exposed to the fact that there's a great political ruler, the false Christ, the Antichrist. And this great political ruler unites all the political forces of the planet Earth. We also have a false religious teacher, the Antichrist false teacher. He was the lamb-like creature, the lamb-like false prophet that we learned about in Revelation 13. But we also have another entity, and it's this great power base of the economy. And Babylon represents, Babylon brings together this idea that's been prevalent in the world, not only of a one-world government, but also of a one-world economy. When you look at Revelation 18, you're faced with with the demise, with God predicting the end of this great economic empire. We began in Revelation 18, verse 1, by seeing this angel coming down from heaven. He has great authority. He's reflecting heaven's glory. And then he cries out with a mighty voice. Look what he says there in verse 2. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a home for demons and a haunt for every evil spirit. A haunt for every unclean and detestable bird. Why? Because all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The king of the earth committed adultery with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. You say, Dave, what in the world is going on? This is the lament. 
It is a cry. What this chapter 18 does is go back and forth between a cry of lamenting, a cry of, of weeping over the terrible devastation that we're seeing, and then it also has a tremendous shout of jubilation. And one of the things I want to ask myself, and I want you to ask yourself as you go through this chapter, is how do I respond? In other words, if suddenly I found out that New York City had been down, that somebody pulled the plug and it disappeared, and London had disappeared and the, all the world economies had failed, what would that do to me? What would happen to me? Think about your own life. I think of young people today getting ready to go out into a career, those that graduate from high school, those that graduate from college. This is the springtime of the year. We're getting ready to go out into a career. What would happen if suddenly the economy crashes? Well, certainly we would be sad because, man, foodstuffs would be in short supply and it would be hard to pay our bills and stuff. But I want to ask you, do you have something at the core of your being that's much more than just stuff? Do you have something that's a lot more at the core of your being than just things? That's what this chapter's about. Because the angel's crying out and he says, during the tribulation period, there's going to come a time when this great final world expression, evidently there's going to be a great city, and I don't know where it's going to be. It's um, Charlie Dyer, my friend, like I mentioned to you last week at Dallas Seminary, that is now going up to Moody. Charlie believes that it's going to be a rebuilt Babylon right in the heart of Iraq, and maybe that's so. I think that Babylon, the book of Revelation, really, for John's original reader to this book, would think immediately of Rome. Because as we read through this, this chapter, it, it, you just feel like you're on the streets of Rome, and, this, and Rome had suddenly been destroyed just like Pompeii was destroyed by a volcano. And so as John was writing this chapter, the people in the Roman Empire that would listen to his words that were believers had in their frame of mind a background where they knew that great commercial mighty cities could suddenly be destroyed like Pompeii was in just a moment of time, just a few hours of time, and a volcano exploded and the city was burned up and it was no more. Also, the readers of the book of Revelation would also know that in the ancient world, there was a great world-class city called the city of Babylon. There was a time where Babylon in the 600s completely ruled the world. And nobody would ever dream that that city would ever be destroyed. I mean, it was going to last forever and ever and ever. And so the readers of this book had in their mind these historical precedences where they knew that great cities could suddenly be destroyed. And what this angel's announcing is that just like Babylon was destroyed in the Old Testament, just like Pompeii was destroyed during the New Testament era, at the end of time during the tribulation period, there was going to be a great ultimate megalopolis that was going to become just a barren wilderness. You look at what it's saying here about it becomes the haunt of demons and every evil spirit, the haunt of every unclean and detestable bird. bird. You say, Dave, what in the world is it talking about? What it's talking about is the fact that when man builds on his pride, if you build your life just on stuff, just materialism, just things, at first it seems really attractive. You know, you go off to the big cities and you get a really good job and you start making the big bucks and you start being able to travel and you start being able to have pleasures that you never dreamt you could have. At first, it seems like your life is full. 
because you're filling your life up with all these exotic experiences and all these exciting foods. And like, for example, if you go to New York City, you can eat Italian food any hour of the night that you want. You can eat Chinese food any hour of the night that you want. You can go to exotic restaurants and eat all kinds of weird food. People will say, that live in New York. And how could you live anywhere else? Us as Texans, we say, man, how in the world? Who would ever want to live there? But you'll understand that pull the big city. There's people that are moving into downtown Dallas. When Mir and I were at Seminary at Dallas, a lot of the inner city infrastructure of Dallas was just kind of crumbling. And there were really bad areas. And there still are. But you can see a mighty resurgence. Of a lot of people are moving back downtown. What do they want to move back downtown? Because there's something alluring about a really big city. That's why people live in the big city, because it's fast, it's exciting. And that's what Babylon is like in this chapter. At the end of time, there's going to be a city that looks just exactly like that. I don't know where it's going to be. I really believe if the Lord were to come back for his church today and uh, we were to be plunged into the tribulation period, the world, the world history began to march to the great culmination, I don't see any problem with that great world megalopolis being the city where I was raised, in New York City. Because that's the city right now that controls the economy of the world. It is the big megalopolis and the stock markets and the, all the goods are flowing and they're controlled by New York. It's a city like that. Maybe if time goes on, the Lord doesn't come back for a while, maybe the city will be over in Indonesia somewhere, or maybe it's going to be in Malaysia. I don't know. But I do know what that city is going to be like. And, And we can learn some normative realities that we need to really warn ourselves against. And what I want to get across to every one of you is that worshiping the city of Babylon begins with all these lights and all this excitement and all this accomplishment and all this feeling of satisfaction. But it ends with the haunts of demons. You see, what Revelation is revealing is that underneath, underneath this worship of stuff, living your life just for all these goods coming in, there's really idolatrous, demonic activity. There are supernatural forces. Like, we like to make Satan look like a, a red-coated, you know, kind of a, with, in red tights with a pitchfork. But in reality, he is subtly attacking our lives, day in and day out. He's attacking my life. And one of the things that he's doing is trying to get us to live as if this life is all there is. Just live for stuff. Just live for the goods that we can get. And he starts out really satisfying us. But then he rips the rug out from underneath us and you end up with the haunts of demons. The picture here is of old Babylon being destroyed. When Jeremiah and Isaiah predicted the destruction of Babylon... They predicted that this great mighty city would be destroyed and would become a wasteland. In the ancient world, when a city was burned down and the sands of time began to come over it and the jackals would go and play in the ruins. If you've ever been at night in the ruins of what used to be a great city, you'll know what we're talking about. For example, Jonathan, when he was studying over the Middle East, over in Jordan, he went over there on a break one time and he went right down in those beautiful uh, area, the beautiful desert area where they filmed Lawrence of Arabia. And there's a beautiful crusader fortress that's really close down into that area. And Jonathan, with some of his friends, went to that crusader castle and they were right there in the castle at night. 
In fact, an Arab guide came out, a fellow that kind of lived in that area, and he said, hey, you know, why don't you students just stay here? I'll show you around. And he actually took a flashlight, and in the nighttime, he took him around this crusader fortress. Well, I got news for you. It's spooky to throw out your sleeping bag in the midst of this old, decaying crusader fortress that's hundreds of years old. And you hear the desert jackals crying at night. It's like hearing the coyotes here crying out. And you see all the varmints, you know, going in and out of this, this dilapidated, decaying, crumbling fortress. And that's the picture that's used here. And I want it to become a picture of what will happen to our life and your life, all of our lives, if we build just a material thing. If you build just a material things, there will come a day when all the luxury, all the glitter, all the stuff that you thought would satisfy you forever, it'll become just a decaying, crumbling structure. The very powerful thing to remember. In other words, it starts out filling you with so much happiness. And as your pastor teacher, one of the things that I'm really concerned about is I believe that that's one of the most seductive things seducing us to live for just material things, to live just for the American dream. And when we do that, we cease to find our pleasure in Jesus. We seek to find our joy in him. We seek to listen, to, we stop listening to him and we get it totally enamored by Babylon. And what John the Apostle wants God's children to know, because he told the church of Laodicea this, that you think you're rich, you think you have need of nothing, but in reality you're really poor. And those are powerful words that the Holy Spirit puts upon my heart. Dave, you think you're rich. You think you got everything you need. You think that, that all this stuff will satisfy you. And the Lord Jesus constantly is coming to me and saying, no, Dave, I'm the one that can satisfy you. I'm the one that builds structures in your life that don't crumble over time, that don't begin to decay, that don't end with this terrible, haunting, fearsome, demonic kind of terrible terror in your life. I got to have some of you right now get up and share, you know, how you wandered away from the Lord and how you began to live just for Babylon. You began to live for what Babylon during the tribulation period is going to represent. And man, at first it seemed really exciting. But you remember some dark nights where those demonic voices inside your mind are saying, man, life is a waste. Life is empty. Life doesn't add up. Why not just end it all? That's the terrible thing that Babylon does. And that's what John the Apostle saying is going to culminate at the end of time in this incredible fall. This incredible megalopolis is going to become just a wilderness area. That's, that's destroyed very quickly. And then it just becomes a place where all these weird night creatures are standing. He says, why? Because all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The king of the earth committed adultery with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. And what the chapter is now going to talk to us about is how those kings of the earth and how the merchants of the earth, how they responded to her, to her destruction. And they make me ask, and they make you ask, well, how am I going to respond if I were to lose all of my prosperity? Is that where my life is? But before he tells us how the king of the earth and the merchants of the earth respond, who grew rich from her excessive luxuries, he begins to call out you and I as believers in God's people. Today, the application would be that we need to be called out from this city. During the tribulation period, this is still a call of grace because even before this city is destroyed, in the previous chapter we learned that the agent that God uses to destroy this great final megalopolis is none other than the forces of the Antichrist. Satan's kingdom divides against itself. 
And the political forces are the ones that come and destroy this great economic power. So that's the agent that God uses. But before God allows the Antichrist to do that, he tells uh, John to, to tell the people to come out of her. And you can see God's grace. Even before the city of Babylon, this great economic power is destroyed. God in his grace is still trying to call out people from that city. Come out of her before you're destroyed. Just like Lot was pulled out of the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And others could have come. Remember, Lot tried to find, you know, 10 right, you know, 50 righteous, 20 righteous, 10 righteous. It shows you the heart of God. It never ceases to amaze me. Before God sends his judgment in, he always calls people out. He gives people a chance to respond. He says, come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plague, for her sins are piled up to the heaven. God has remembered her crimes. Give back to her as she has given. Pay her back double for what she has done. Mix her a double portion for her own cup. Give her as much torture and grief as the glory and luxury that she gave herself. This is the, the, a very sober truth about God. It's a, it's a truth that often in our culture today nobody wants to talk about. Some of you have gone to church you know, for many years in your life and you hear about a God of love, you hear about a God of compassion. That's true. God's the most gentle, he's the most kind, he's the most loving father that you can ever meet. But as he's anointing his prophet to proclaim during the tribulation period for people to come out of this city, he gives them a strong reason to come out of this city. You see, this city is living just luxuriously. And one thing that we need to get really clear is that this chapter is not against material things. In fact, if we study the book of Revelation further, we're going to find out that all the basic Stuff, all the material things that are coming in to this city are talked about later coming into the New Jerusalem because they're symbolically represented of the, of the prosperity that God can bring. It's not the silver and the gold and it's not the pearls and it's not the beautiful material and it's not the good food. It's not all of that stuff that is evil. The evil part is the worship of those things. It's to begin to think that your life consists in all of these material things. This is what my life is. And then when we do that, we begin to feel like I'm on top of the world. I rule the world. And that's a dominant belief that's across our city today. And it's the dominant belief of Babylon. And that's the epitome of idolatry because what God is saying is that there's really, really a God. There is a God who supplies everything for us to enjoy. There's a God that gives us life. There's a God that gives us our job. There's a God that gives us our food at its proper time. There's a God that gives us sleep. There's a God that knows exactly the, the measure of our life. As you go to work, as you go to work, I want you to think about the way that people think about their lives. How many of you have ever had people go like, I can't understand, you know, you, you go to church every Sunday, you're, you're kind of faithful to doing that. Every, anybody has some people at work say, man, I, I can't believe that you do that. Anybody have some people like that? And they think, you're really religious. You're really into this religious thing. You know, you talk to God. I notice that when you're at work and you're having lunch or something like that, you'll bow your head and you'll pray. You kind of include God in this. How many of you have ever had somebody at work say like, why do you include God? This is in God's place. This is business now. This is education now. You know, this is police work now. This is, this is doctor's work now. This is not God's work now. What are they saying? You see, there's a dominant idea in our culture that you lock God up and he's some nice 
comfortable person that you kind of get a little bit of peace and, and you know, help you through the rough times of life. You come and check out with him in isolated houses where he lives on Sunday morning or if you're Jewish on Saturday or whenever you might do that. But he's locked out of the rest of life. Anybody exposed to that kind of thinking at all? Yeah, you are. You want to stop and think about that. Because that's Babylon. That's Babylon. That's what Babylon is in this chapter. It's a city that says there isn't any God. We're God. We're the only God you're ever going to get. And the prosperity and the peace and the security and the fun that we can give you, that's all that you're going to get. And I want you to think hard because that's a very, very powerful pull in our culture today. That's what Babylon really is. And it's not just a material system, but it is a spiritual system. And the way that the spiritual system is not so much just that it's a, it's a false organized religion, though it is that, but it is the worship of things, the worship of this life, living as if there's no supernatural dimension, living as if there's no almighty God. And one of the things that the Lord really convicts me about is, David, really think hard about what you believe. Think hard about what you're really committed to. As I open the page of this book, this book tells me that there's another whole world of reality. And it's a much greater world of reality And that the moment I die, I'm going to go to live with my precious Savior. And I'm going to live with him and he's preparing a place for me. And so when I get to be with him, there will be a room that's all made out for me. And so that no matter what happened in this life, that I can know that those promises in Jesus are really secure. Do I really live like that? Do I really believe that? And if I'm honest, what happens is the, is the materialism of America begins to come upon my life and you begin to think in terms of let's save for retirement and when we retire, as if pastors would ever retire, but you know, like some of us like to think like that and, and when we retire, then we'll be able to do this traveling, we'll be able to go see this person, we'll be able to do this thing. And we begin to measure all of our life just in terms of this life. I want to ask you, how do you plan your life? What do you think about? What are you going to do with your life? Are you thinking in terms of that big career, that big job, making the big bucks, and, or those little bucks, whatever the bucks you need, and then being able to retire? Is that all there is to it? That's Babylon. That's one of the greatest lies that can, come, can ever come over your life. Because it's a lie. The truth of the matter, all your well-laid plans, even those of you that are very wealthy and have a lot of this world's goods, those things can disappear in a moment of time. Just one word from a physician, you got a malignancy. Just one word from a physician that you have an aneurysm. Just one little brief word that there's a lump in your breast, and man, suddenly, all of that stuff doesn't mean anything. And rather than running away from that idea, a lot of Americans run away from that idea. They just cast themselves more into materialism, running, 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 as if that'll make it disappear, and it won't. I'm telling you the truth because the Word of God is telling the truth. It's saying that we as God's people, I think the message to us is we need to come out. We need to come out of this city. And I don't mean that we, that we form a little commune and set up our own little culture, but we need to come out in our hearts we need to not let materialism rule in our hearts. God needs to rule in our heart. And one of the greatest ways for me to know whether materialism is ruling in my heart or whether God is ruling in my heart is whether or not I'm thankful, whether or not I receive things as gifts from God, 
Whether or not I cast my cares upon him, knowing that he cares for me. Whether or not I really talk to him and, and give him the adoration that he deserves. Whether or not I enjoy him. I constantly ask myself, Lord, do I get more excited about a time of prayer with you, or do I get more excited about getting a raise materially? What gives me more high in life? What gets me more excited? That's what gets at the guts of what's motivating me. And John the Apostle is saying to the people of God, he's also giving an appeal of grace to those living in this great city. You need to come out of her, because this city is going to come crashing down. You need to not live for those values because those values will crash down. And what God is saying is that my judgment is going to come upon her because that secular city, that idolatrous, materialistic city is a great enemy to God. It's a great enemy to Jesus. Now, we like to get a visible enemy. Like, we like to get some visible enemy that we can really nail. And we like to grab a hold and say, man, that's the enemy. I want you to realize that the enemy is materialism. The enemy is the idolatry of what materialism can bring. As Dave warns us about the idol of materialism, it is important for us to remember that John the Apostle did not call for vows of poverty or for the rejection of involvement in business. What Revelation is warning us about is the worship of money, what Jesus called the love of money. This is the godless value of Babylon, and John predicts that this pagan idol will gain more and more control over the world. This false god expresses itself when you hear, we can't rescue people who are being brutally murdered because it will hurt our economy. Or, I can't share Christ in my office because it will stall out my career. Let's pray that we will allow the biblical Jesus to determine our actions in the marketplace today and not our devotion to money. On our next broadcast, Dave will conclude our study of Revelation 18 on the collapse of Babylon. <laughs>